Somebody shout amen. Amen, amen, amen. Man, you know, um, actually, tell you what, if you could just grab your Bible, let's jump right in and turn with me over to the book of John. Chapter 19. John chapter 19. Has anybody got plans for Easter tomorrow? What do we got going on? Anybody? Church, hey! It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome tonight too and tomorrow. Family time, very nice. Flip-flop chicken, all right. Whew! My father-in-law makes some mean flip-flop chicken. You guys, does anybody not know what flip-flop chicken is? We're going to have a prayer at the end. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have the ministry team come up at the end, and I invite you to come forward and receive prayer for that. Man, anybody else? What else you got going on? Okay. Easter with the little brother. That'll be awesome. Awesome. Is anybody cooking anything other than flip-flop chicken? What do we got on the menu tomorrow? Brisket. Let's all gather to pastor's house tomorrow. Ribs, wow. Okay, smoked or like Wisconsin ribs? Okay, because there's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not, I shouldn't say anything. We'll just end it there. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I came up to Wisconsin. Um, I lived in Kansas City the majority of my life at the time, so I moved up here. And at the church I was going to, they had a potluck. You ever, ever heard of a potluck? Remember those good old days? when grandmas would bring their crock pots and they'd, they'd like, there'd be like the Swedish meatballs, some pasta and a ton of dessert. You remember that? Man, so I, I remember going to the potluck and somebody brought ribs and somebody said upstairs, like, they got ribs. I said, what, they got ribs? In Kansas City, it's a barbecue nation, you know? And so anyway, I go downstairs in a hurry, just looking for some baby backs, long smoke, you know, the three, two, one method, maybe over some pecan wood, I don't know. I was pumped about it. I get down there and there's this crock pot and I thought, oh, that's cool. So they did it right. You know, they're keeping it warm and stuff. That's awesome. I opened it up. All I saw was sweet baby rays and some bumps. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, well, let's move on. John chapter 19. <laughs> oh Lord, uh, John chapter 19. Let's go to verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. How many know he accomplished everything? There's nothing else that we need to, 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 to do other than share the good news. It's all been done. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so uh, let's see. Knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Would you just say that tonight? Say, it is finished. Look at somebody and say, it is finished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. How many know at the cross, when he took his last breath, by the way, those last three words were the last three words of his life on earth. And I love that it was it wasn't it will be finished or we've got more to go or I hope the church goes and wins a ton of battles after this. No, he said, it is finished. What a glorious statement. 
What a glorious statement. You know, there's a, um, there's a story that I love. And it's, uh, can I tell you the story? Okay, I'm going to tell you. So this, uh, this evangelist was invited to a nationally, actually, I think it was internationally. It was a really big global interview. And it was supposed to be this interview about faith. Ribs? Ribs? I don't know. I don't know. So the evangelist accepts the invitation thinking, well, this will be good. We're going to go over and talk about faith. Or I think it was about Christianity or something. Anyway, so he arrives at the location. This wasn't in America. This was a different place. But he arrives at the, the TV station. And it's only two people for this panel to discuss faith or Christianity. It was him, a fiery, hot, burning evangelist of the gospel of Christ, and an atheist. So evangelist is doing the math, thinking, wait, this isn't what, okay, whatever, I guess we're here, you know. So they begin this interview, and they're sitting there, all nationally televised, it was live. The atheist says to the evangelist, he says, Reinhard, you preach that there's power in the blood of Jesus. He said, yeah, yeah, I do. He didn't say it like this, he said, yes, I do. <laughs> He's German. And, uh, and he said, well, I don't believe there's power in the blood of Jesus anymore. And I'll tell you why. He said, because 2,000 years ago, the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross and freed everybody and all this. But here we are 2,000 years ago, and the world is worse off today than it was back then. That's why the power, there's no power in the blood of Jesus. If the world is worse today, than it was back then. No, there's no power in the blood of Jesus. So the moderator is beginning to move on and Reinhardt says, no, wait, I want a reply. And he said, okay, have your, have your way. <laughs> so Reinhardt, he chimes in and he said, there's a lot of soap in the world, but many people are still dirty. <laughs> if you want to be clean, you have to reach out your dirty hand, grab the bar of soap and apply it to your filthy body. Then after you apply the soap to your body, you will know that there is power in the soap. And he said, so it is with the blood of Jesus. If you want to experience the power of the blood, you have to reach out your hand, grab the blood, cry out to him, and allow him to apply that blood to your sinful body. And surely when you do, you will find out and you will know that there is power in the blood of Jesus. For there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb. Come on, somebody. Man, I tell you what, this gospel, some people say it's old but I know for sure it's not outdated. Somebody say, oh, you know, that's, that's just, that's, that's ancient. Yeah, okay, maybe, but it's still applicable. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. People say, yeah, well, it's not really that, it's not that big of a deal anymore. No, 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 it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. This Bible, this gospel message of Christ crucified rose again on the third day is still real. It's still relevant. It's still relational. And my goodness, it is still revolutionary. And we do not need to water down the gospel. 
We don't need to make it more palatable for the people that are listening to it. We don't have to somehow modify it to become more relevant to the culture. Come on, is anybody hearing me tonight? We don't have to somehow change the message. The message is just fine as it is. It is completely intact and it doesn't need to be amended or changed, added to or subtracted from. The gospel message is still the power of God onto salvation for them that believe. Amen? Well, I don't know what got a hold of me there for a second, but. Man. It is finished. (sighs) You know, it says in Isaiah. Can I just preach the gospel tonight? I'm just going to, we're just going to do it. It's Easter weekend. I can't think of a better subject. In Isaiah, you can turn, we're going to go through a bunch of texts here, I think. So you can roll with me or you can just take notes, whatever you want to do. But in Isaiah chapter 14, it says this, it says, starting in verse 12. So Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How many know Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning? Wow. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Wow. Can you smell the arrogance? Man. Okay, now watch this. Now, at the very end, it says, this is what Lucifer said. I will be like the most high. Go ahead and say that. I will be like the most high. Okay, so he gets kicked out of heaven in a moment, right? He falls like lightning to the earth. Now watch this. Let's go to Genesis chapter one. This is so awesome. Genesis chapter one. If you do turn in your Bible, I think it'll be to your advantage. It's it's good to see it with your own eyes. Amen? But if, I mean, it's okay if you don't. You could write it down and, and go look at them with your own eyes later. Genesis chapter one, Woo, we don't have much time. We got a lot to cover, but verse 26, it says, then God said, who's speaking? God, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Wait, I thought it was God talking. How many know it's God, the father, it's Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit? Three's a crowd, huh? So let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So in whose likeness were we made? In whose likeness did Lucifer want to be? Okay, isn't this awesome? So the very thing that the devil wanted, he got evicted out of heaven, and then he decided, you know what? I think, here's what, here's what we'll do. We'll make man in the very thing that he wished he could bear. And he's gonna have to watch him. Just walk and roam the earth, having dominion over everything. Literally walking in the very thing that he always wanted. Oh, what a good way to torture this guy. Huh? Isn't that amazing? So from the very beginning, what God wanted from the very beginning was a relationship with you and I. That's what he wanted. Because there's nothing that we can, in fact, it says in Colossians, 
well, I won't go there right now, but it says in Colossians, I think it's chapter one, I think it's verse 14. Um, don't quote me on that, but it's somewhere in there that all things were made through him and for him. In the beginning of the verse, it says that all things were made by him. So how many know we were all made by him, through him, and for him? Now, what's fascinating is I remember reading that. I thought, man, we were made for him? I mean, there's really not much I bring to the equation, if I'm going to be honest. You know, like, I mean, I can, I, can, I can help out my wife. I can help out our pastors. I can help out this church for sure. But the Lord, like, I think he's got it pretty covered. You know what I'm saying? So I thought, really, I was made for him. What could this be? How could this even make sense? But how many know he doesn't need us to do anything for him with our hands? <laughs> His arms have not been shortened. He hasn't run out of power or ability. No, 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 no. He made us for relationship. Because the one thing that you and I can do for him that he can't do for himself is love him. That's really awesome, isn't it? So he makes us, he handcrafts us in his own image. And with Adam and Eve, he's walking in the cool of the day. Everything's going good until what happened? Who knows? They ate from the tree that the Lord told them, don't eat from that tree because in the day if you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right. How many know evil happens in the world because there's free will? So I understand, you know, bad things happen. And then one of the grieving, one of the questions in the grieving process is, God, why do you allow this? But how many know he allows free will because he wants love? And if you, if you remove love, or if you, excuse me, if you remove free will from the equation, it is no longer love, it's control. Right? What a loving God that he would allow free will to manifest in our lives, that he didn't want robots. He wanted relationship with us. So as it goes, they eat of the tree that they shouldn't eat from, and then sure, sure enough, they get kicked out of the garden, right? You guys are familiar with the story? So they go on, tell you what, jump with me over to, let's see, Exodus. Exodus 19, I believe. Yes, 19. I don't have time to summarize the whole Bible, but I just want to show something. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, he said, it yeah. is finished. So what is the it? We're just, we're exploring that together tonight. Is that okay? All right, that sounds good to me. Exodus 19. This is so awesome. Let's start in verse 19, verse 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Remember the Red Sea and all the plagues and all that? This is what he's talking about. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, say covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. How many know he wants a kingdom of priests and a holy nation? So he gives this invitation. Let me just tell you, priest does not mean do you have to wear a white collar, okay? You don't, have to, you don't have to do that. No offense to the white collar by any means. I'm just saying, when he said that, that's not what he was saying. 
what he was saying when he said priest, it literally means that the, the, the fundamental definition of the word priest is simply a worshiper. Like the job description. How many of you have a job? Raise your hand. Okay, pray for everybody that didn't raise their hand. Uh, <laughs> the job description, you guys have a job description. I have a job description. If you got a job, you got a job description, hopefully. Well, the job description of a priest was to attend God as a worshiper. And they had several things that they had to do, what that looked like. But at its root, that's what it was. So the Lord's saying here, and you shall be to me a kingdom of worshipers. And he's talking to who? Just, just certain people or all of Israel? He's talking to the whole nation of Israel and a holy nation. But if you just turn the page over, you see how they respond to such a glorious invitation. Now, what would you do? What would you do? Come on, the Lord speaks to you. And he says, hey, I want you to be full-time, 24-7, worshiping me. It's gonna be awesome. What do you say? You and me, kiddo, what do you think? Man, for sure, today we would say yes without a doubt, right? Now, for them, they had a different scene, okay? I wanna be fair. They're looking up at this mountain and it's shaking. There's a massive cloud swirling around. There's thunder, there's lightning, there's fire on the top of it. It's a little bit freaky, okay? If we can just be honest, it's easy to hate on these guys, but if we could just consider the moment. They just left captivity. They're at the base of a mountain. They're probably a little thirsty and hungry. I don't know. God says, I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But this, this, rock, or this mountain that they're looking at is quaking and shaking and super scary. So here's their response. Now all the people, sorry, this is uh, chapter 20, verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Hello, my goodness. See, smoking. So I think he likes smoked food. In fact, if you read through Leviticus, you'll see that it's a sweet aroma to the Lord. So I think he likes Kansas City. That, that's why the chiefs are the best. Okay. Uh, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Say afar off. This is awesome. Watch. Well, it's not all, what's awesome for Moses, not so much for them. We'll see. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. How many know the fear of God is important? It really is. Now, verse 21, it's a, it's a sad verse. It says, so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. So here the Lord gives this invitation. He sends the RSVP and they said, no, too scary, I'm out. So instead of having a kingdom of priests, he settled for a tribe of priests. And it was the tribe of Levi, okay? Sorry, maybe I'm going too slow. But turn with me over to, um, well, let me say this, because I don't know where we're going. <laughs> but they rejected the invitation to be a kingdom of priests, okay? They turned the Lord down. And I believe that grieved the heart of God because he wanted to be close with them. He, wanted, he didn't want just certain people to have access. He wanted everybody to have access. Isn't that wonderful? And this is after the fall. This is, this is pre-cross, right? This is pre-Jesus. This is BC, man. And the Lord's like, hey, you know what? I want you to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Just come to me. We'll figure it out later. But they said no. And then here comes the law, right? And we're not gonna get into all that. There's so much to say. 
but you have the law. Anyway, they go, they, they end up getting the promised land, all of these things happen, and then judges start popping up, and these judges, why, why did they pop up? Do you remember? Why was there a need for judges? They needed deliverance, right? I mean, they needed a leader too, but they would constantly, what would happen is, and this is, this is the nature of the fall, is that they would continuously be led astray from God to go serve other gods, constantly. So Israel, they rejected God at the base of Mount Sinai, and then there was this cycle that we saw over and over and over again. Even if you just read through the book of Judges alone, you'll see it. Even if you just read a few chapters after that story in Exodus, when he came down, remember uh, Aaron was like, hey, I have an idea, let's make a golden calf and worship it. Sounds cool, bro, you in? <laughs> Why would you do that? You just saw the, anyway, whatever. So, but th- this is what Israel did, and I shouldn't hate on them because we've all done it too, right? So Israel continuously goes in the cycle, goes in the cycle. And I just want to show you this. I, I went to Judges, um, let's, I think it's 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is chapter 10. Are you bored or are you doing okay? Okay, sorry if this is too much Bible justice. I don't know if this is something you're cool with or not. You good with it, bro? You good? Okay. <clears throat> Judges chapter 10. So once again, the, remember that cycle? So they, they, they're serving God, but then all of a sudden they get led astray and they start serving other gods. And God's like, fine, have your way. Go do what you want to do. So they go do what they want to do. And then they realize it really sucks without serving God. <laughs> Life is a, it's really lame without him. They start realizing that and how much they actually need him. So then they cry out to him for deliverance from the people that were oppressing them. But see, God had something behind the curtain. See, he didn't want to just deliver them from the people that were oppressing them. He wanted to deliver them from sin. Are you with me? But they're crying out, oh, save us from the Midianites. Save us from the Assyrians. Save us from these guys and these guys. So here in chapter 10, they're being oppressed once again. And they cry out to the Lord and they're like, oh Lord, save us. And this is so crazy. The Lord says, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? Also the Sidonians and Amalekites and Manites oppressed you and you cried out to me and I delivered you from their hand, yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. Okay, so before we all admitted that if the Lord gave us an invitation to be a kingdom of priests, we would gladly accept. Okay, so if we cried out to God to deliver us from an oppressor and he said, no, what would you do? Obviously, we're on this side of the cross, but imagine being back then. What would you do? Your one shot, your only chance. Man, I don't know what I would have done. I like to think that I would have done the right thing, but I can't even promise that. But watch how they respond. It says, And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. How many know there's always fruit to true repentance? And his soul, this is so amazing. How many know God has a soul? (laughs) Remember we were created in his likeness, right? God has a soul, mind will, and emotions. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. What? 
This is old covenant before the blood of Jesus. He's looking at his people who he just rejected because they've rejected him time and 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 time again. And he said, no, I'm not doing it. We're done. But then he saw that they had true fruit to their repentance and his soul could no longer bear the misery of Israel. And he said, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm gonna raise up a judge. And he raised up a judge and he set him free again. Isn't that amazing? Wow, aren't you thankful for such a loving God? Now, this is fascinating. So sadly, this happens again and again and again, but God comes through again and again and again. Listen, if you've screwed up more times than you can count, God can still redeem you. He can still set you free because he loves you. Isn't that wonderful? Now, this is really fun. Look at this. This is in 1 Kings. You're gonna have to ice your thumbs tonight. Actually, no, 1 Samuel, my bad. 1 Samuel, I think it's, where are we going? 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8. <clears throat> this is where the age of the judges are coming to a close. You know, I see preachers now, like, man, we've got amazing communicators today, don't we? we got amazing communicators. Um, I just hope that the Bible is still as cherished as some uh, theatrics. How many of sometimes in the church there can be theatrics? You know, and it becomes more about like the three steps to accomplish everything that's in your heart rather than like, let's open the Bible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not in this church. Aren't you thankful? We love the Bible here, man, because the Bible's a person. All right, this is awesome. Watch this. This is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Let's see here. Starting in verse 4, it says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. If you sit next to somebody old, just look at them and say, You're not old. You're... Okay, good. Don't say anything to anybody. Good move. Good move. You literally froze, didn't you? You're, you're oh, no, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel. Wow. They said, make us a king to judge us like all the nations. See, they forgot that they were made in the likeness of God. And they wanted to be like the nations. They wanted to be like culture. But that was not ever the intention of God. They were called to be like God, right? And he wanted to be their king. And he wanted to be the judge. But they were ready to trade him in again. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. Now hear his heart, that I should not reign over them. Wow. He said, they rejected me that I should not reign over them. In other words, I wanted to be their king. I, I wanted to be their king, but they want somebody else. Give them what they want, Samuel. He says, are you sure that's crazy? These guys got it all messed. No, give them what they want, but warn them what it's gonna be like. And so they did. It says in verse 19, even after the warning, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we, may, that we also may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Listen, man, we were never supposed to have a man 
be our king. We have one king and it's Jesus. We were never meant to have a man be our judge. Jesus is our judge. We were never meant to have a man go before us. Jesus wants to go before us. We were never meant to have a man go and fight our battles. Jesus is meant to go before us and fight our battles. Isn't that something? So, I better make some ground here. There's a lot of Bible to get through, but if you read it, you'll be blessed. I assure you. So all of a sudden, we land back at John. Chapter 20. Remember when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it? Man, that's awesome. And he said, on the cross, it is finished. What was finished? He became the fulfillment of everything that we read about in the Old Testament. In fact, in Colossians chapter three, I think it says it better. Excuse me, chapter one. It says this in verse 13. Speaking of Jesus, says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. Are you doing okay tonight? Listen to this, verse 19. For it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Aren't you glad? In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Wow. So Jesus came and he fulfilled every single thing. They used to have to sacrifice goats and sheep and all these other things. And it was barbecue. It was pretty sweet. But he's like, you know what? The days of barbecue were over. The days of barbecue were done. I'm gonna send my one and only son because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to live the life that we could never live, which was sinless so that he could pay the price we can never pay, which was his shed blood upon the cross on the hill of Golgotha. And he shed his blood, making atonement. I believe it's the book of Hebrews says that a sacrifice that can't even be accepted or remission of sin can't even be had without blood, the shedding of blood. But he allowed his blood to be shed for you and for me and for anybody that would call upon his name. Isn't that wonderful? And here's what's so cool. He brings it full circle, just just like always. Because how many know he exists outside of time? Look at this. Let's go. Let's just cap her off. Revelation. Chapter one. Amy, could I have you play some piano? Revelation chapter one. This is so wonderful. 
He's got a good memory. <laughs> He's got a really good memory. It says in Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse, let's see here, 4. This is John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. Huh? He is the ruler of the kings. There is no other king higher than him. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests. <laughs> He's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. And these are the words of Jesus. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Wow, isn't that something? No matter what sins you may have committed, no matter how bad, no matter how not bad you may think they are, whether you have a criminal history or whether nobody knows a single bad thing you've ever done, you can be redeemed. You can be bought back. You know when he said on the cross, it is finished? It was an accounting term that meant paid in full. The debt has been paid. Tell you what, would you stand with me? I've had 1 Corinthians 2 stuck in my heart. It's just been wedged in there. You ever, ever have a verse just wedged in your heart? This is Paul, he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Wow. He said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm concerned that in the church today, even in just America as a whole, but even in the church, that the gospels become too boring. It's become, oh, can we, can we get on to the other stuff? Can we get on to the next thing? I already know all that. Can we, can we get on to like the, the, the fun stuff? Oh, that must grieve his heart. <laughs> Not this church though, amen. Come on, say amen. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Wow. If you would just close your eyes for a moment. 
if there's anybody here tonight and you would like to give your life to Jesus, you know, maybe, maybe you've strayed, maybe you've gotten off track, maybe you've, I guess as I would call it, fumbled the ball. I fumbled the ball. And you just miss that sweetness of the Lord's presence. You can be restored tonight. That debt that you've felt in your life, it can be paid in full tonight. And you don't have to do anything other than die to yourself because Jesus came and he lived to show us how to die. And then he died to show us how to live. And he said, if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's all it takes. A life fully laid down, surrendered to him. That's all it takes. I, mean, I don't mean that to sound like a light thing because it's not. It's not a seven day trial. It's a fully life. It's a full life laid down, surrendered and yielded to him. Even when things get tough, because after we give our life to Christ, it doesn't mean all the, all the bad things go away. No, they still come but we get to go through them with him and we allow him to fight our battles. We allow him to be our king. We allow him to go before us and we allow him to be our judge. So if you're here tonight, I just wanna give you, I just feel the sweetness of the Lord, man. If, if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, there's no better time than tonight. The Bible says now is the time for salvation. Not, not just today alone, because there's no guarantee that there's gonna be a later. There's no guarantee. I think about these two men who were killed in action today. You know, if they, if they were waiting to the last second, you know, we don't, we don't have that luxury. We, we can't afford to wait. We can't afford to wait. So I wanna ask you tonight, have you been waiting? Well, don't wait anymore, my friend. Don't wait anymore. Let tonight be the night. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus between you and him, I just want you to lift your hand. Say, Lord, I need you to redeem me. I need you to buy me back. I need you to cleanse me of my sin. I'm done trying to do it myself. Yeah, I see the hands. I see the hands, that's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Wow, praise God. Okay, you can lower your hands. You know, I got saved when I was six years old, so nobody's too young. Nobody's too young. Okay, keep your eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you just wanna recommit yourself to the Lord, maybe you've just been lost in sin, you've been caught up and it's been your master rather than Jesus, you can be free tonight. Don't leave here bound up with sin. Don't leave here in condemnation. The Bible says, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Zero condemnation. So I just wanna pray with you too. So if that's you tonight with every eye closed, if you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, just raise your hand. You're like, this sin is just beating me up. I wanna get over this thing. I need the grace of God. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, you can lower your hands. So good, so good. Okay, go ahead and grab somebody's hand next to you, would you? <clears throat> if you like them, give them a squeeze. If you like them, squeeze back. <laughs> or, or let go of their hand if you don't like them. How about that? <laughs> Lord, we just love you. And we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the gospel. Lord, I just pray that 
Every single one of us would never, ever, ever grow familiar with the gospel. Lord, I pray that the things of the world would grow boring. I pray that the things of the culture would grow boring. And I pray that the gospel would be truly be restored back to being the power of God onto salvation for everyone that believes. So Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room that raised their hand. And Lord, I thank you for a brand new start tonight. In fact, everybody just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. The best of me and the worst of me, you can have it all. I repent of my sin and I run to you. In Jesus' name. So Lord, I thank you again for every single one. The youngest to the oldest. You're just wonderful and you're doing a beautiful work in your people. And we're just so thankful to be a part of it. Lord, I pray that as it says in Romans, that how can they, talking about the world, call on a God that they haven't heard of and how can they hear about this God without a preacher? Lord, I pray that this church would be mobilized as preachers. Every single person in this church, those that are here and those that are at home, I pray that you would mobilize us as preachers of the gospel. And if there's anybody here who's disqualifying themselves saying, oh, well, I don't have all the knowledge or I don't know the whole Bible or blah, blah, blah. I just pray that you would delete that stuff from their brains and that you would commission them again afresh and baptize them in the Holy Spirit, that they would be filled with the power and the boldness of God, that they would go out and be your witnesses everywhere they go. So Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. If I could have the ministry team come up, please. This is your time, flip-flop grill people, to come get prayer. If you want prayer for anything at all, this team is here for you. So whatever you may need, please come up. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow morning.